Hi, this is Natalie Wires with Digital River. Welcome to a special edition of Commerce Connect, an eight-episode series that we're calling Commerce Passport. Throughout the next few months, we'll take you on a journey to boost your global e-commerce strategy and learn how to gain an onshore advantage. Listen in as some of the top experts in the field share their insights on what it takes to find global e-commerce success. Hi, everyone. I'm Mike French, Vice President of Partnerships at Digital River with the second of our Commerce Passport series about how to attract, convert, and keep more customers through a seamless commerce experience. This podcast follows our live event, which we just completed, and you can learn more about our live events at digitalriver.com passport. I'd like to start by thanking our sponsor for today's episode, and that's WordPress VIP. WordPress VIP is a digital experience solution that helps enterprises realize the power of the open web by handling infrastructure, performance, and security at scale. So their clients are free to focus on what matters most. Our guests today are Tess Needham, a content marketing manager from WordPress VIP. Christian Giardo is regional manager for Latin America for Avast Software. And Lena Santamaria is a director of the Market Force Agency based in EMEA. So uh, why don't each of our panelists take a moment and introduce yourself. Tess, please go ahead. Yes, hi everyone. Um, so as Mike said, I'm Tess Needham. I'm the content marketing manager at WordPress VIP. Um, so we, we're a home for large organizations who need to create and deliver really amazing content at scale. Um, we're based on the WordPress platform. So um, we're really big proponents of open source um and yeah we're just excited to be here and talking about this so thanks for having me great thank you tess christian if you could introduce yourself please yeah hello to everyone uh, my name is christian gallardo uh, regional manager for latin america for ava software uh, i'm the person in charge for, for latam um i'm part of the go local team the whole local team is basically it's a group of country regional experts trying to improve the the customer experience of your client worldwide Great, thank you, Christian. And Lina. Hi, everyone. I'm Lina Santa Maria. Um, I am the director for the MarketForce agency in Europe. Uh, MarketForce is a performance-driven uh, digital marketing agency with emphasis in, on e-commerce growth, and I'm overseeing operations in Europe regarding uh, marketing programs, business development, and client management. Thank you, Lena. Uh, and we really have a great panel today of, of marketing professionals. Uh, from from around the world. Uh, Lena, you're originally from Colombia and now based in Germany. Uh, Christian, uh, you're from Chile, I believe, and, and now based in the, the Czech Republic or, or, or Czechia. And, and Tess, there's no mistaking your accent. Uh, you're Australian, but you're based in San Francisco now. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. So a, a lot of folks, um, it, it's really great to have this this kind of global perspective. Now, uh, on our live event, we talked about three kind of key themes or, or concepts around, you know, attracting customers and, and the importance of an engaging and, and seamless commerce experience. You know, we talked about the concept that, you know, we really need to think about being country specific. So customer acquisition is a very country specific process if you're going to be successful with it. We talked about the importance of, of cultural understanding. Um, and the way that culture reflects itself in consumer behavior. Uh, one of the things that we talked about was, 
you know, different seasonal sales uh, or different holidays that take place in different countries. Uh, and then we talked a little bit about, you know, going beyond your product itself, the importance of a, a real seamless experience, an experience that connects the dots between your content, how you market, your web experience, the mobile experience, email, shopping. Uh, so uh, really great discussion coming out of that live event that we're going to pick up from it and continue here. And where I'd like to start, we got some questions from the audience we weren't able to get to uh, at the end of the live event uh, that started to get us into um, some questions about tools and technology. Uh, you know, you hear the term digital transformation out there all the time, um, and, and it, it has to do with, you know, really kind of enabling all the different parts of what you do as a business, and, and marketing is certainly one of those. Um, so, I, Lena, I, I think I'd like to start with you. You know, as you're advising clients, they're thinking about going into, you know, a, a new market. You know, what are some of the technologies that, that they should think about having uh, to support their capabilities from, from a marketing standpoint? You know, what, what are kind of the, you know, the, the, the two or three or the one or two things that, that they really ought to have that, uh, as an investment in technology? Great. So... I think that to start with, uh, we want to talk about tracking. Anything that is a tracking technology, a tracking capability, that's going to allow us to measure the success of the campaign, to measure the performance of the site, and that's something that requires investment. A, a proper analytics setup, a proper analytics tool, it can be something like Google Analytics, it can be uh, the Adobe platform, there are uh, a couple of big market players that, that could come um, in handy here. I think that that is one of the first investments uh, that companies should make when going live and making sure that everything that they uh, are doing across the globe uh, is properly tracked and that we can trace everything that we're doing uh, like on a daily basis. Uh, on top of this, there's uh, other types of technologies that are more program specific, uh, that can be bid management tools, uh, where you can optimize how much you spend and have a lot of automated processes uh, that are specific to each market, to each region, to each time of the day. So you, if you really have an in-depth knowledge of your market, you can adjust your paid media strategy to be as efficient as possible. So these types of tools that are to some extent automated, not something that you can just back off and let run, uh, but that have a high level of automation are going to make your marketing spend more profitable. Great. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Like you said, having the basis in place around tracking, because that's going to give you the data to help you understand performance and, and how you adjust. Uh, and then we talked a little bit in the last session about usually a new entry into a market. You're going to use broadcast uh, marketing techniques like, you know, paid advertisement and placement. And so having something like a, like a bid tool that helps you do that and make efficient use of your investment and resource is a good one. Uh, Tess, I'd like to take this question to you. Uh, obviously, WordPress uh, is is a, a technology that's just about everywhere. I, you know, I think it's 70% of the web is is on WordPress. Um, could you talk a little bit around, you know, how WordPress gets used from kind of a content perspective uh, or the way that customers think about using WordPress from a content perspective as they would move out or enter into new markets? 
Yeah, sure. Um, so the number is actually more around 35% of the web that's powered by WordPress, but really? It's still, yeah, it's still very ubiquitous though. I doubled your market share. I just doubled <laughs> I your market share. That's it's all. good to shoot high. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, we definitely, we see that like that ubiquity um, really is, you know, it's a great benefit for us, of course, but it's also like, it's great just for the open source community. WordPress is such a flexible platform um, that, so that it can integrate with lots of different technologies. And what we find is uh, because of its ubiquity is that a lot of things get, um, it, it sort of gets front of mind for different integrations. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about integrations because what we think is most important is it's not just the tools themselves and like listing, you know, we think that you should use tools X, Y, and Z. Um, but it's really about like thinking about what your customer needs are and then uh, rather than having like a one size fits all platform, um, we're seeing that businesses value flexible software that integrates with any of the technologies that they want to. So they can choose the best in class analytics tool, the best in class um, CRM. Um, and then we, what we really focus on is having all of those integrate really seamlessly with WordPress. Um, so, uh, sorry, I'm just going back to the original question that you asked me. I think I went off a <laughs> tangent then. Um, but yeah, having WordPress be so ubiquitous means that, um, for instance, like when Google is developing AMP, um, the next version of AMP, uh, that they, they develop it with WordPress in mind, with a WordPress integration in mind. When Facebook develops, um, integrations with with content they, they think about wordpress first um, so that's been something that's really interesting for us is to hook into those existing technologies and meet customers where they are because customers already have this idea of like um, i mentioned this on the panel very in passing but um, for instance like in in some of the asian markets that they're you know some of the platforms that we use in the us are not used there um, social platforms for instance and so like they're using a lot of um, WeChat and things like that. And so what we're seeing is that having that, the fact that WordPress is so popular and so ubiquitous um, means that the, those integrations, like what they're built for WordPress first, usually, because that's the biggest market. Um, so that's something that's really interesting for us is thinking about how you can be flexible in different markets and uh, addressing the customer needs of that particular group of people. Um, because there's no point investing a whole lot of time and energy into a marketing solution that your customers are not using. Yeah, very good. Interesting uh, to get the perspective from Lena about some of the specific tooling and technology from a marketing perspective. And, and of course, as you mentioned around WordPress tests, you made a really interesting point, which was about integration and, and looking at technologies that give you the flexibility to use the best tools that fit you well, uh, but then also uh, you made this really interesting point, connecting with customers where they are. Uh, and you talk about engaging, for instance, in, in the Chinese market in China and the popularity of WeChat uh, over there, which is a chat and, and social application. So using technologies that allow you to tie into that, uh, into that tool. Um, and, you know, going back to what uh, Lena said, technologies that allow you to track or, or understand engagement or interactions in those tools. Uh, Christian, let's let's take this this line over to you around kind of tools and technology. Um, well, how would you react to to Lena's thoughts and, and Tessa's thoughts? Are there particular technologies that that you think really make good sense for for customers to consider investing in? 
I believe that today, uh, if you need, if you have any need for tracking, or you want to know the data, or you have, you need the specific API, there are plenty of tools you can find uh, in the system. Right? It's not a problem. Uh, I just would like to add uh, what I said, Alina and Tess, basically, uh, how read the data, right? Because basically, uh, sometimes a company believe that, let's say, 10% uh, of something is across any single country, right? They don't understand that the, we can achieve this 10% as a KPI, but depend on the region, depend on the country, or what is missing, right? Um, this is a big mistake because usually, for example, there are some in develop, developing countries, developing regions, uh, they want to use the same kind of a standard for developed countries, right? They want, they expect the, the same performance of developed country in developing country. And then what happened, they said, okay, mm, we're doing a, having about results. It's not about results. It's just basically today, you cannot expect to have the same performance you have in kind of mature country. You have to wait maybe six months, a year to year, or you have to develop different plan, different plan of content marketing, different strategy. And this is something that I would like to, to mention, like basically, uh, the tool is there, we have the data, we have to be super data driven, but how you plan the KPI, what is the strategy, uh, is something different. It's something that the, all the companies have to really uh, think about it. You don't want to have the results right now. Take time, depend on the country, depend on the market. Yeah, it's, it's a really good point you make. Um, you get these tools in place, they help you to collect the data, uh, they help you to connect to the right places for those customers. But you have to have a plan around how you're going to use that data. What are you targeting? And are you collecting the right information to be able to make well-informed decisions about the success of your engagement? Uh, and, and it sounds like you added on to that point, Christian, just about thinking about timing, especially if you're entering a market that is maybe more of a developing economy uh, than, than an established or, or mature market, that you know, your timing is going to be different there. And you know, folks in the audience may hear that and think, well, yeah, of course, that goes without saying. Yeah, in, until you get a directive from somebody who's maybe disconnected from it, uh, that, that has an expectation that's, that's different. So uh, it's, I, I think it's a really good insight around the, the value of that information. Let's, um, let's, let's take the technology uh, talk kind of one step further. Uh, when we think about marketing channels and different ways that we engage with the customers, or we go and, you know, as you said, Tess, engage with the customers where they are. You know, one of the terms that comes up all the time in digital marketing is, is this concept of attribution. Uh, thinking about, you know, how do I attribute uh, a conversion that I, that I got or an engagement that I got? How do I contribute that to what activities I'm doing from a marketing standpoint? Uh, Lena, I, I'd love for you to start us off there. What are some of the things that, you know, folks in the audience should think about when they think about attribution? Uh, what, what are the things that they should be looking for? What are some of the things that they should consider measuring or tracking? Yeah, so um, in regards to attribution, there, I mean, we can take it in two different paths. Uh, one is making sure that we get the most out of all our marketing dollars. Right, so that we understand exactly where our marketing dollars are going and what is generating our actual revenue. And, but let's say that that's just the 
uh, budget part of the attribution story. I think that what's really important is all the insight that uh, we have to be really open to receiving and it's the understanding of how each touch point uh, during the shopping funnel, so how a display ad or a Facebook ad or a native ad is going to have an impact on my uh, at the, on my sale at the end. Uh, and I think it's finding the value in that, right? Because it's very easy to say, oh yeah, we would have made this sale this the sale anyway through organic or through a direct channel but once you see the full picture of attribution especially for clients that are investing in multi-channel uh, strategies uh, it's really really valuable to see especially how it uh, behaves differently in every country we see the attribution being much higher for display ads in the uk versus germany so there is a much higher interaction much higher influence in that touch point between those regions so it's uh, of course budget is one piece but we're not going to start moving four dollars here fifteen dollars here uh, for the bigger budget concerns, of course, it's a great source, but it's more uh, looking into the insights, right? Like where are the channels interacting with each other and where I can should actually invest more or invest less. Yeah, thank you. Uh, very, very insightful. And uh, you raised the, you know, the interesting point of, you know, the, the those different channels are, are going to behave differently in different countries. And you know, even just the example of two developed Western economies, Germany and the UK, you get uh, big differences in marketing engagement and consumer behavior. Let's, let's uh, kind of take this on into social a little bit. Um, obviously, you know, companies are putting a lot of focus on social as, as kind of the newest channel through which, you know, we engage with prospective customers. Email's been around for a long time, as is, you know, display and what have you. Um, how does social differ when we talk about different regions or we talk about different countries? And, and Christian, let's, let's start with you. Um, when you think about the go local approach that, that Avast has taken very successfully, um, how do you think about social as being part of that strategy? And how is it different maybe from one country or region to another? I believe that social across for any country, uh, can be a country in developed, it could be national Latin America, Europe, is super important for across any country. But just now have to think about which kind of social media network is aligned with my specific target. I assume that the, maybe Facebook, uh, let's say 10 years ago, was for teenagers, maybe from 15 to 25, for example. And today now it's kind of moving. I can expect that the, maybe my target group is now is maybe uh, I can expect to have a good conversion in Facebook for people more than 40, let's say, okay? And now maybe for this specific target group that maybe is my, my potential client between 15 to 25, it is more now for uh, Snapchat, let's say, or Instagram. This is now I think, the, main, the main challenge. I think it's not a question mark to, to believe that the, if social is important or not for my business, it's a must, it is it's super important. Now I think the, the good challenge is basically to understand which social media network is matching uh, with my uh, target. Yeah, and that's, that's an interesting point. So it's, it's not just about you know, the, the country, it's about understanding the social platform and, and even understanding some specifics about its demographics. Uh, kind of like you were saying, uh, you know, whenever it was 15 years ago, 10 years ago, 
um, you know, there was a much, a much larger uh, youth demographic on Facebook, and now it's all, you know, old people like me, uh, and, and I don't know how to use Snapchat. So um, that, that's pretty interesting. Um, and, and Tess, c coming back to you, you know, you, you mentioned and talked a little bit about, you know, uh, the role that, you know, like WordPress plays and the content plays. How does, how does content kind of overlap? with social, you know, if we think about marketing and, you know, into a new country and we're thinking about what we do there from a content standpoint, how does it overlap with social? Yeah, I think that's a really interesting question because the way that I'm thinking about this and I'm speaking now in terms of how our marketing team is doing things as opposed to, um, we don't have a lot of insight into how our customers are doing their social um, media or their marketing. Um, but, uh, in, in terms of uh, like how we're doing things at the moment is that it's not just about creating content and then sort of pushing it out to social channels and then creating another piece of content and pushing it out to social channels. Um, what's interesting about social is that it's much more, um, the life cycle is so much shorter. And so we're finding it's like a quite a good, an interesting place for experimentation. Um, if we're thinking about like new brand directions or things like that, it's kind of an interesting place to just, play with something a little bit more and see how it goes. It's kind of a little bit uh, lower stakes, I guess, of a sort of testing ground. Um, and again, it's about meeting people where they are. So like to Christian's point about who, like your target audience, who are they, or where are they hanging out? Um, and we ask ourselves those kinds of questions, you know, where are people hanging out? And, and being a B2B organization, um, we're seeing a lot of engagement on LinkedIn for instance, um, and Twitter, but not so much on maybe on Facebook, um, a little bit on Instagram, you know, it's kind of like really understanding how people are using those social channels. Um, I wanted to mention something else about social that's been interesting, especially in these current times, is that it's a, it's like a very immediate way to connect with um, with a movement, like, for instance, um, it's a place where people expect you to, to make a stand or to put out a statement or something like that, a lot more than they would expect you to put it out on your own channel necessarily. And that's been something that's been interesting because, you know, we've had such a tumultuous year um, of really finding the right, um, the right tone and the right place to sort of position ourselves um, and how that might differ on social um, as it as it does like on our own website. I think it's a fair observation to say, you know, one of the directions that that social media has has taken us is um, into a scenario where that social media context becomes part of how people experience and understand your brand when they when they're thinking about who you are, they're thinking about you know their level or their degree of interest in you. Uh, it seems like more than ever, um, you know, consumers are interested in the, the positions that different companies take on, you know, on policies, right? So that's, that's interesting. I'd, I'd like to take that one um, a little bit further into this concept of, you know, using agencies versus kind of doing things yourselves, right? And sometimes what agencies do, in, in addition to just providing a, a certain amount of professional expertise, is they can help us understand country and, and cultural context, help us think about the right ways to present our brand and, and present our product. Uh, so Lena, I mean, you are an agency, right? Uh, let's, let's come back to you and you know, help, help the audience understand maybe you know, what, what do clients look for in agencies and, and what are some of the things that, 
you think they should really consider just, you know, beyond, you know, what somebody talks about in terms of, you know, what they can get from a display performance uh, campaign or what have you? Yeah, so from the agency perspective, we try to be very consultative with our clients, right? Not just focus on delivering the performance because that's something that an executive can do client side. So one of the things uh, that we do is we streamline all of these channels and we build an entire strategy, not only focused on one channel, which may be paid social, let's talk specifically about Facebook, but we build an entire strategy that is going to talk to each other, that is going to be aligned and that is going to deliver that seamless experience previous to the shop, right? So that is um, one of the things that we really try to offer is that consultation piece. Uh, from the management point of view, uh, it's, of course, it's the expertise and it's the knowledge. There are many different platforms and the more we go global with different brands, we see that as an actual barrier. Setting up a campaign on LinkedIn is one thing, but if you're going to have the same type of B2B paid social campaign uh, in France, you're going to want to do the Viadeo setup. So that kind of expertise is what uh, elevates the agency's responsibility. It's not just pouring money into what clients would like that they want to see. I want to see everything on LinkedIn now. Maybe for a specific market, we should think for example, like I said, France and the same in Germany, there's Xing. Uh, these are platforms that have more users than LinkedIn. So this is a social channel that has become incredibly popular uh, for business to business uh, brands, but they need to be consulted and they need to be guided into the, it's not just out of the box solution and the paid social piece is really complex uh, for consumer brands as well. Uh, and as you move outside of the main European market, as you move into APEC, we already mentioned briefly that WeChat is uh, a very strong uh, player in China. We also have BK in Russia uh, as an example. So it's being able to manage this full view of all the platforms uh, that you're going to be active on uh, and be brand res responsible with the brand so that the message is, is really clear across the board and the globe. Yeah, thank you, Lena. It's it's really interesting to hear your 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 perspective. You know, your expertise naming all of those different platforms that that play such a role in different countries. You know, um, I'm pretty well informed and, and plugged in with what's happening in commerce, but I never would have guessed that there's a larger professional social network in a country like France than than LinkedIn. Uh, so that that importance of kind of knowing. You know, as uh, as Lena said earlier, you know where your customers are, uh, and and how to be able to connect with them. Something that an agency can can really help you with. Uh, Christian, let's come to you on that topic of kind of agency versus DIY, because you know uh, Avast obviously you're part of a team uh, that Avast is built to really focus on uh, going local into specific markets. Yeah. Um, how and where do you use agencies versus kind of do it yourself? What do they help you with? Yeah, I'm going to give you my personal professional opinion, okay? <laughs> I believe that the, okay. and the concept of the, if you want to go global, go local, I mean, this kind of a, a mindset. Uh, the agency for me is like uh, the personal trainer. For example, there are so many people go to the gym, right? But when someone really wants to have a, a season, a huge, uh, or, or a different, right, in short term, he's going to invest in a personal trainer because the personal trainer is going to create a plan. It will, it will tell you basically what you can eat, 
uh, what the, which kind of exercise really fit for your for your body, for example. It's kind of similar uh, equation when you uh, you see a company want to go global and really say, okay, I want to invest in this specific country. My opinion as the first approach is super healthy. You have an agency can really give you the right direction, um, give you kind of the recipe. And then the company can decide it to say, okay, now I have to have an ideal team um, on the ground. Uh, I have to have a team uh, no, uh, based in a specific country or not. But first, like uh, the first step, I think this is a, it's a, it's a wise uh, decision to have agency in order to 25 together as a teamwork uh, what is the direction in order to have uh, this approach of go local? Okay, so pretty interesting. It, it sounds like you take an approach that you know it is a blend depending on really what you need to do, applying your own resources or applying agency resources uh, based on what's going to make the most sense. Is that fair to say? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, great. Um, so one of the things that we talked a little bit about before was, uh, you know, in our, in our live discussion was about kind of gotchas, right? One um, of the things that, you know, as you think about or as you're going into a new market, we talked about, you know, the customers and where they are and, and thinking about, you know, the, the cultural implications. But, you know, as we think about some of these things like uh, some of these things like social engagement, um, what What's a gotcha there that that uh, that we should really kind of we should really be thinking about? You know, knowing the customer and knowing where that customer is. But let's let's take that a step further. Um, what kinds of engagement work on social? Is is it about having a presence and uh, and keeping a presence up and a certain frequency uh, or life cycle? As as Tess was talking about, is it about leveraging it for you know advertisement? Um, informational content. What are the things that, that folks are really doing with social and, and how is that, how does that differ uh, maybe from or between some different markets? Uh, and uh, Tess, uh, why don't we start with you thinking about that kind of content question um, about, you know, the, the actual direct social engagement versus the actual kind of marketing engagement. How do, how do those things differ? What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, you mentioned earlier about social media being um, a lot about brand and about like your brand perception. And I think um, we're at a point now with social where um, customers, they, they can smell a rat, <laughs> you know, um, you can't just come out all guns blazing onto social media with ads and not have kind of anything there to back it up. So I think it's, I mean, I think it's about like doing a combination of things, um, putting out, you know, sharing your own content on social media, like your blog content or, or your products or whatever it is, as well as um, creating posts just for social media um, that are more sort of tailored to that format, as well as you're putting out, you know, some social ads that, uh, that, may be targeted to specific demographics on social, as well as engaging with conversations that are happening in your industry or your sphere. Um, I, I feel like social is one of those areas that's, um, that customers really need for brands to be authentic in. Um, and they're not going to accept just kind of being talked at. Um, they really need to be in conversation. It's really an area, again, going back to this idea of meeting people where they are, like it's really this idea of 
having kind of a personal face, your brand and, and being a person on the other end um, is, is kind of how I think or we think about social. And then, you know, to, yeah, to that, the point about different markets of just then calibrating that for different markets to whatever platform or whatever um, um, uh, cultural sort of mores are happening there. Yeah, you, you make a really interesting point. And, and sometimes that, that can lead to some embarrassment for the brand. Yeah. Uh, and you see, you see examples uh, like this on Twitter all the time. The brand is out there, you know, they're trying to engage in the conversation and, uh, you know, maybe they just, the way they put something or the way that it was presented and, and perceived because of a cultural difference, uh, they end up getting a very different reaction than intended. So yeah. understanding that, understanding that context and, you know, what you mentioned about authenticity, um, yeah, and I'd be, really, I'd be... really interesting stuff. Sorry, Mike. Um, I'd be remiss as well if I didn't also mention diversity and inclusion and how important those things are. Um, so if there's something that might be a more sensitive topic, um, for instance, we posted on Twitter on Monday um, a statement that we stand with the black community. And that statement, um, you know, tw Twitter is seen as like it's so instant and so off the cuff. Um, but we actually spent about half a day crafting that tweet and we did it in collaboration with our black colleagues um, who were really tied into that movement. We really wanted to make sure that we said the right thing. So I think that, um, you know, I just wanted to bring in that point of how important diversity and inclusion is um, for social media. You don't want to be speaking as an outsider in. You want to make sure that you include the perspectives of people who are actually in that movement um, and that being being a global company and also be reaching into global markets, um, that becomes even more important. Yeah, thank you. It's, it's a really interesting point around how, how careful when we think about brand perception that we, need to, uh, that, that we need to consider and different aspects around, like you said, diversity, inclusion, authenticity, uh, and they really make uh, a significant uh, impression on the folks that, that we're engaging with as a member of the community and, and from a, a commercial standpoint. Um, let's, let's take this back to you, Lena, on, you know, the social, the kind of the social aspect of things, your perspective on what are the elements, you know, beyond getting out there and engaging, you know, how do you help brands uh, think about, uh, you know, what they, what they go and do with social from, you know, a presence perspective and an advertising perspective, uh, an engagement or, you know, dialogue perspective. Uh, what does that look like? How do you advise brands on that? Yeah, so we can, we've seen a very interesting evolution of the social channels from what we were just talking about, this validation piece, right? You, if you're not on social, you don't exist. Uh, it gives some realness to the brands. So let's say that from a performance marketing perspective, for us as an agency, it's great when brands have this presence because that's going to make our task in their social channels much more effective. So what we uh, are doing right now and what we are advising uh, our clients is to actually go transactional on paid social. So it's, it's a great combination uh, when you have the organic piece, the voice of the brand tied to ads. Um, so just to give you an example, not more than four years ago, we were always saying that investing 
paying for ads on Facebook was not going to give us any return. Uh, today for consumer electronics, we see that uh, Facebook retargeting has the highest conversion rate of all display channels. So it starts to become a really robust platform for both consumer and business clients uh, to be actually transactional, right? To get actual results from the from all the different social channels, be it the LinkedIn's of the world or, or the Facebook's of the world, depending on the product type. So we are advising to continuously investing more in these channels. They are uh, highly targeted, so you can be really, really granular and precise with whom is seeing your information. And it's also uh, something that gives us a chance to switch on, switch off, and test a lot. So. Uh, with the current situation that the US and that the world is going through, we've advised clients and worked closely with clients to shut down all the noise on social media for everything that is transactional so that the brands can focus on really delivering the message of solidarity or the silence that is necessary in any given moment. So um, it's a very dynamic channel. Uh, really diverse, like I said, it's not just Facebook that we were talking of about five years ago. Um, so yeah, we are strongly advising all of our clients to put a lot of focus on the paid social channels, uh, not only for upper funnel activities, but way down to transaction lead generation, we're seeing great success uh, across the board. Yeah, and I, I think that takes us in, into an, an interesting item of discussion. We. Uh, we covered it a bit, which gets into kind of the consumer data privacy and, you know, your comment about social and, and the ability to, to really kind of closely target uh, based on, you know, the, the richness of information that, that is available through social. Uh, what are some of the things that, that you have had to help clients work through? Uh, or what are some of the things that are really just the major items? that customers should be concerned about when they're leveraging or a brand should be concerned about rather when they're leveraging that kind of data. Um, you know, is it what they collect? Is it how they use it? Um, how, how does that come into play and, and, and how is it different in different markets? Yeah, I think that um, everything that has to do with data protection is really rigorous and strong uh, right now in Europe, uh, also in California, as we talked earlier. Uh, the, there are limitations in the activity that we do. We are no longer capable of doing IP address targeting outside of the US. So there is less and less information available to our clients to manipulate and let's say that that makes it easier to move forward with these paid uh, paid social channels but yes there's always the that element of who owns the data so we don't have any actual customer data from the platforms in terms of performance so of course we always advise that all the customer data that is uh, available from the organic channels is kept away from our marketing activities because then we would be infringing a couple of confidentiality laws uh, along the way and we don't want to go down that path. So uh, we try to keep like, yeah, the targeting is really granular and you can really like define personas, but with the limitations that are like globally uh, across all these channels, we really can't go drill down into any client uh, or customer information that would put our clients or ourselves uh, in a risky situation. Yeah, thank you. And, and Christian, you know, maybe you could comment on that. Um, it, you know, uh, 
10 years ago, if you worked in marketing, you didn't have to worry a whole lot about compliance outside of, you know, regulations that applied to very specific or, or highly regulated industries like, like banking or energy, as an example. Uh, but today, you know, we see that regulation applying to marketing everywhere. Um, you know, as a marketing professional, you know, how do you navigate this as, as you're going about, you know, driving, you know, what you want to in terms of localization into these different countries? What process do you go through to, to make sure that you're checking all the boxes there? Mm. I speak about regulation, I think this kind of is affecting uh, all the competitors, right? All the industry, it's not just my company under some specific regulation. Uh, I think in this under condition, you have to be more, more clever or uh, try to find a way uh, and really align with the, with the legal situation and plus with what the our users or, or potential clients, uh, they would like to have from, from us in terms of content, for example. Uh, I think it's, I, my point is not put that focus on the regulation. I just put more focus um, in the what the client is expecting. What is the yeah? What is what is their expectation in terms of uh, communication? Uh, what they expecting from me as a brand? Uh, he want to get more educated in in the antivirus industry. He want to have more uh, insight in order to protect uh, their family. I mean, this is basically I, will, I should put to focus. No, but more. Uh, and from the legal uh, point of view. For sure, I have to follow the rules and from the legal perspective, but I prefer to invest more energy and to have a good match in terms of communication with my, with my users, with my clients, uh, instead of put that much focus on, on regulation. Okay, yeah, thanks, thanks a lot, Christian. And uh, you know, I think you landed the point, which is you know, when you're a marketer uh, and, and you're, you're a global marketer, in today's world, um, you've got to have a new set of competency around, you know, understanding what the regulations are and, and, and keeping your company safe. Um, it's, it's really important. Uh, so again, just to kind of close up as we did the live event, I'd like to give uh, each of our panelists the opportunity to, to, to give us some parting thoughts on, you know, these, these concepts of how we enter new markets, attract customers, uh, connect that into a, a seamless experience and test. Uh, let's start with you. The, 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 one, the one thing that uh, anybody in the audience should, should walk away from our podcast today remembering. No pressure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think um, the thing that I'm thinking about is, you know, digital transformation, digital experience, these buzzwords that we're hearing a lot at the moment. Um, uh, that it's, it can be really confusing for people and, and kind of opaque, you know, it's really hard to kind of access what does that really mean. And I think that coming back to this idea of um, being customer centric and what Christian was just talking about is, um, is really apt here, you know, thinking about not, not, not getting too tied up in um, legalities and things like that. Of course you need to abide by those, but really, really focusing on what are our customers asking for um, what do they expect? And not trying to be this kind of one size fits all thing, but trying to think, trying to reach out to people where they are and understand them, speaking directly to your customers. Um, I think that for, for, from our perspective is really the key to um, digital transformation, digital experience, all of these buzzwords. Really what it comes down to is like, what does your customer need? How can you meet them where they are? 
and how can you speak to them in a way that makes them want your products? Uh, Lena, your, your final thought. So my closing remarks for this whole topic of going global, of the how broad the whole digital space is, my, my biggest takeaway is that taking it slow is sometimes, probably most times, the best approach for brands that are trying to grow. Um, there are so many different bits and pieces that go into each country. Even within a, one same country, there are um, specific marketing activities that can't be done, uh, specific types of content that are not allowed. So I think that taking it slow and actually testing the waters before you go huge and expand um, is, a, is a wise way to, to invest your money and time. Uh, like I said, the space is so broad and so complex that for brands in expansion, one thing at a time is probably going to drive more success than going huge uh, from the get-go. And Christian, why don't you close us out? Yes, the first thing is I always end up beating with the, uh, in, uh, at work because it's the, the motto of my, my department. If you want to go global, go local. It's the first thing. And the second one, um, I make, as a piece of advice, I would like to suggest to the whole company, uh, the, um, double check all the KPI, like uh, what was their perception before of the uh, coronavirus pandemic situation and after that. I believe that the, all the scenarios have changed a lot. There are so many regions now have a, a, a bigger potential. For sure, there are so many people that never used a credit card in order to buy online, and now they're doing it. So for sure, there are more, more, uh, potent, more business potential for any company. And the second thing, I have the feeling that the, the people have changed as well. After these two, two or three months at home, uh, the perception of uh, any topics or the uh, consumer behavior have changed. I think that it's worth it to double check uh, or previous perception in terms of the uh, or customer behavior before of the coronavirus and after that. Because for sure there are more opportunity or the company start to have to think about it, uh, how to improve the communication with the with their targets. Uh, there's something there that is worth it to, to double check first before to, uh, after Corona, just launch a new campaign. Thank you. So to summarize all three of your points, um, making sure we put customer engagement at the center. Um, and as we're getting out and getting started, feel free to take an approach that's slow and test and see what's work and see what works. Uh, and then I think a really important point you made, Christian, about as you're going global, think about uh, going global by going local. So uh, I'd like to thank uh, Tess and Christian and Lena for joining us today and to you listeners for joining us. Our next live virtual event is June 17th and is part of our Uncertainty Into Opportunity series. It also continues our discussion here about how to know your audience and uncover new opportunities and how to market your online store. Register at digitalriver.com slash opportunity. And for details on the next episode in the Commerce Passport series, visit digitalriver.com slash passport. Thanks again, everyone. You've been listening to a special edition of Commerce Connect presented by Digital River, part of a series of live virtual events and podcasts designed to help you grow your global e-commerce business. Find out how you can attend a live virtual commerce passport event at digitalriver.com slash passport.